It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.06 on a Saturday morning, 35 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, here to help you be more successful in doing whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter to me. All I'm going to do is support you and help you do whatever you, or not do whatever you want to do in the landscape. If it's too cold, I'll tell you, yes, you bet. It is too cold. You should not get out and garden today. On the other hand, if you're just itching to get out, I'm going to tell you, oh, sure, there's a lot of things you can do outside of your garden if you want to do them. All you have to do is give me a call. Again, you heard the number just a minute ago, 404-872-0750. I'm glad you're here, my friends. We have three hours ahead of us to talk about what could be done, what might be done, and what will make the most sense in your garden, landscape, trees, shrubs, flowers, indoor plants, organic gardening, beginner gardeners, experienced gardeners. Everybody is welcome. No judgment here. If you know how to pronounce a word, great. If you can't pronounce camellia, then go ahead and not pronounce camellia. If you don't know what plant you're talking about, just say it's green and it has yellow flowers right now. And many times I can tell you what you have because I look, you know, I drive around, I look at things, and I think, mm, somebody's going to ask me about that this week. I'll give you an example. This has been going on for about ooh, a week, I guess, but when we had that little warm spell, about seven or eight days ago, just a day or two maybe, when it was really warm, and then it dropped down and got cold again. But I noticed that there were several pink flowering trees that were blooming around Atlanta, and they had little bitty flowers. Now, catch this. They were pink. They were Pepto-Bismol pink, and they had little bitty pink flowers. What tree could that be? And so I went on Facebook and posted it with a picture of it. I said, somebody is asking right now, what is that pink tree? I really like to have something that blooms that early in the spring. What can it be? It is an Okami, O-K-A-M-E, Okami cherry. Pretty plant, and still blooming right now. And the trees are still blooming a week after they started, certainly. But then as I was driving around the day or two after that, I thought about, well, there's the other pink tree that blooms around the same time, but the flowers are really big. They are easily whew, three inches tall and about two inches wide, and they have a slight bit of a, a purple cast, mostly pink, but a little bit of a purplish, purplish, let's call it that, reddish purple cast to them. What could that be as distinguished from the Okami cherry that's been around for a couple of weeks now? And that is one of the saucer magnolias. And there are various varieties, Betty and two or three more saucer magnolias. But these saucer magnolias are blooming right now. And if it got really cold at night, not mid-30s, but if it got down to 28 or below, all of those flowers on both the Okami cherry and on the saucer magnolia and on its little cousin, the star magnolia, would turn into brown goo. And I mean literally that. You see them one day, they're gorgeous. It goes down to 28 degrees overnight. And the next day brown jelly-like goo dripping, dripping from the tips of the branches where those flowers used to be the day before. So those are two things. As you drive around, as I drive around, you may notice them. The pink one, Okami cherry. The pink with a little bit of lavender purple to it. The saucer magnolia. And maybe if you see something driving around this morning and you want identified, well, again, call me. Ask me. 
I mean, pretty easy to call, 404-872-0750. Ask any question that's on your little heart, and if it is answerable within my realm of experience, you'll get an answer. I do my best to try to think of things beforehand and think of what my answer would be and how to identify it and what would be the characteristic thing. One more, I tell you, one more plant, one more plant. That uh, if you see a plant that is green stems, and that's pretty much all there is to it right now, other than the bright yellow flowers. And these bright yellow flowers are only about Ooh, three quarters of an inch, maybe to an inch long, but bright yellow. That's how you'll know it with nothing but green stems. And it's very cascading, very arching. And it comes down the sides of, of banks. And sometimes I've seen them as, as, as hedges and things. But green stems, yellow flowers, what could that be? It's winter jasmine, winter jasmine. And frankly, it makes a really nice ground cover for steep banks that you couldn't get much of anything else to grow on. And I apologize, but I forget sometimes that it would make such a nice ground cover because the rest of the year it really doesn't do anything except cover the ground. But at least during February, it has yellow flowers. And the one that I am thinking about right now that I saw just a couple of weeks ago when I was at the uh, uh, Infinite, Infinite Energy Center in Gwinnett County, and they have a nice long row of them right there in front of the uh, Infinite Energy Center next to the uh, uh, sports arena there, and you can see the winter jasmine that's blooming right now with yellow flowers. Again, identification, help, success here at your fingertips, 404-872-0750. We go to our friends in Spalding County this morning, our friend Nicole. Good morning, Nicole. Miss Nicole, hey, good morning. Are you doing? <clears throat> I'm doing fine. Clear your throat. <laughs> <laughs> I went to see Mr. Wade yesterday. Well, Wade Hutchison, my friends with the Extension Office there in Spalding County, yes, indeed. Yeah, you went to, uh, did a class on two weeks ago. I was there, and you were gone. I was trying to have lunch with you, and you were out driving your big old truck on the highway and couldn't get together with me. Well, what were you doing at the Extension Office? Well, <laughs> Mr. Reef, it's them against us, isn't it? <laughs> if it's not the ants, it's the squirrel. If it's not the squirrel, it's the wasps. Wasps? Now? In the attic. Oh, yeah, they're warming up a little bit. So the wasps are hatching out. And I guess when they feel like there's a little bit of a crack that they can get down in between and they come down into the house, and you might see wasps right now. Good observation. Well, I have a wasp nest because I can hear them every night. I oh. thought it was bees. You know, two years ago, I, I told you, and last year I told you I thought maybe it was bees. Yeah. But you don't, um, you don't listen to them. You don't uh, hear them in summertime. But I hear those wasps. This guy told me, he said, uh, make sure it's it's a bee. If it's bee, he said, we go and remove them. You know, because I think they can resale. It's a good market for bees. Yeah, but, 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 but let's wait. Let's go back a little further here, Nicole. Are you hearing? What are you hearing right now? This humming noise. Like uh, if you go in the parking lot and there's a lot of lights, the lights are not okay. You can hear the... the Nicole, I don't think it's wasps. I think it's bees. <laughs> I promise. Wasps right now, they have had their, their... The eggs were laid in some nests and in other hidden places, in perhaps the attic or perhaps outdoors. And... The eggs, if any, have hatched. It's just a couple or two or three. And maybe you see a wasp inside the house or you see a wasp um, under the door jam as you open your front door or something like that. But there are not enough wasps 
right now to make any noise. But there are plenty of honeybees who would be waking up from the cool of the wintertime, looking around for a flower to pollinate, going, hum. Yeah, uh, noise, yeah. You got honeybees. You got honeybees, honey bun. <laughs> Your oh, house no. is exactly what you have. So I have to go in the attic to see with a big flashlight to see uh, if I can uh, identify them. Because I don't want to kill them, but I don't yeah. want to, the honey come from the ceiling. Well, the honey will come from the ceiling if you don't do something. Uh, but I wouldn't go in the attic at all simply because, A, it's too dangerous. But, B, because you don't need to. Because, C... If you just walk around the house on a sunny day, maybe this afternoon would be a great day to do that. You walk around the house, maybe take a pair of binoculars if you need to. But just look at cracks, little cracks between the siding on the house, little knot holes, little places where two walls join each other outside. And you should see a little stream of honeybees going in and out, in and out, in and out. And that is where they're going in. And that is where a carpenter or maybe a beekeeper can come to your house and get those honeybees out. Well, we shall. We shall. Uh... Ooh, this is going to be an ongoing conversation between the two of us to go. I can already tell. <laughs> You're going to tell me every Saturday the progress in getting the honeybees out. And I want to encourage you to call local beekeepers because beekeepers are there need you know new bees and queens for their hives. Yeah, that's and what it is. So you're doing a great job. The uh, Tara beekeepers. Wait, Mr. Hutchison can tell you where the contact number and, and everything for the local beekeeping association, but Tara beekeepers is one. Um, I see Tom Bonnell is down there in Clayton County in the Clayton Extension Office. He's a big beekeeper. You could ask Tom uh, who would be live near you in Griffin and could come and get the bees out. Yeah, I call a couple of people, you know. Good. And they can... Uh, do something with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for others, for listeners out there, let's broaden the conversation just a little bit in the minute or two that I have left. But if you hear or see honeybees in the wall of your house, it is a problem. It's not an emergency like you have to do it today, but it is something you're going to have to deal with sooner rather than later, not 10 years from now, but maybe you know, two months from now, perhaps. And the beekeepers, the local beekeeper association, many times have people who will come to the house if it's not too terribly hard to access. Now, if it's way two stories up, I wouldn't count on a beekeeper to get on his ladder and get up that high because that's really hard. It's you know, a lot of danger and liability and things like that. In that case, you would have to probably call an exterminator to come and kill them and somebody who has some carpenter experience as well. But if it's down low, if there's a low access point that a beekeeper can get to on a little step ladder or something like that, they'll take the, the access boards or planks or whatever it is, however they're getting in, they'll take that away and go in and just scoop out or vacuum out sometimes, vacuum out all the bees, put them in a temporary hive, uh, examine the bees to see, make sure he's got the queen, because that's what everybody wants to, wants to be around is the queen, and... Um, Take them home, and then you have a big cavity that somebody has to go in and scrape it nice and clean, wash it nice and clean. We don't want it to smell like wax or honey, because then the other wandering honeybee might look at it and say, whoa, look at this. This is like Nicole's house is a great place to set up another colony, which you do not want again. And then you seal it up and keep your fingers crossed. I can't recognize the, the queen. 
And they're big. They're okay. bigger uh, than the drone. The there'll be three kinds of bees in a beehive. The workers, which are relatively small, but they're the ones that you see working the flowers in your garden every day. And the queen is about a third again as large. And there might be perhaps another couple of three or four or five drones, which are males and can uh, breed with the queen and, you know, have sex and make new worker bees. But the queen is recognizably bigger than the rest of the worker bees are. Well, good luck, Nicole. Yeah, good. <laughs> My wish for you, Nicole. Oh, good boy. luck and lots of honey. And we will see you next Saturday. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well. We'll see you soon. It's 618, and you're listening to Lawn and Gardens. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Dreary, cold, wet. News not going to be here today. It's going to be sunny all day long. Afternoon highs in the low 60s. Awesome temperatures today. A couple of clouds this evening, only bringing us a 10% chance of a shower. Overnight lows in the upper 30s. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. At 624, Charlie is somewhere in Georgia. Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in Georgia. Hey, Charlie, good morning. Good morning. Well, I'm in uh, Alpharetta Mountain area now, but I'm packing up, and this is my final call as a Georgian. Oh, Charlie, we're going to miss you badly. Where are you going? Uh, Going down uh, west of Ocala in Florida. So this is our, you know, we've been trying to get down there now for about a year. This tomorrow will be our farewell leave up here. I got, I've got uh, news for you, that there are garden experts that live in Florida that can be just as, as open-minded as me and talk to you down there. I mean, uh, Tom McCubbin is down in Orlando, and the Garden Rebel, whatever the Garden Rebel's name is, over in Jacksonville, and Tom Wick- Wickman. No, he was taking a place. Somebody else that does the Garden Minute over in uh, uh, Gainesville. But Where can anyway. I get their numbers at? Uh, just type Radio Gardening Florida or something like okay. that in Google. Okay. You'll find it. And tell them I said hello when you I do. Will. I saw Tom. Well, hey, and... I ain't going to let you go yet. All right. All right. Well, go. What's your question then, Charlie? Like if you were going to move to Florida yeah. and you wanted a nice Bahia yard, would you go with uh, Pensacola or Argentina Bahia? Mm, Pensacola is the one that's had the most research and I think is probably the most adaptable to everywhere in Florida. So Pensacola would be my leaning. But again, this is the kind of gardening is always a thing that's local. And if you call the local either extension office or uh, local garden radio host, and they can tell you more about the soils in your, ty- in your area and whether this is part of the county that's not so good for Pensacola might be better for the Argentina. Uh-huh. That's the kind of thing that I wouldn't know up here in Georgia. Okay, then. Find uh, local folks. You've always gave me good information, like the air routing and all that stuff. and <laughs> been helpful throughout the years, and, you know, you, I, I appreciate all you helped and me you, with. And, you know, Charlie, yeah, that we're you know, in we this. Y'all have a jewel. I'm leaving it, but y'all got a jewel in, uh, in uh, Walter here. Yeah, but you remember now. This huh? show goes out over the Internet. You can listen to me online on your cell phone anytime you want to on the Internet, streamed live every Saturday morning. You can call. It's a toll-free number. You can uh, get podcasts of the show online and listen to it during the week if you want to do that. 
We haven't parted yet, Charlie. Okay, good. All right. I look forward to hearing from you soon, Charlie. Talk to you later. We'll see you soon. Bye. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. I saw there, there are several. I mean, I don't mean one. I mean, there are dozens of people who, just like me, do garden radio shows throughout the country. Uh, my friend Neil Sperry over in Texas and Dallas-Fort Worth is just a genius at knowing when and where particular plants do well in Texas. He is so familiar. He'll say, south of I-20, this is that will grow. North of I-20, I wouldn't think about it. In the panhandle, such and such will grow. But way down in Houston, no, this is not going to do so well. So, and, and talks about soil types, too, because there are areas of Texas that have alkaline soils. And some plants do very well. And some plants show very characteristic symptoms of growing in that particular kind of soil. Man, does he know a lot about plants in Texas. I couldn't even begin to know stuff like that. I mean... What do I know? South Georgia's sandy, North Georgia's rocky, Middle Georgia's got a, little, a lot of clay. That's as far as it goes. But there are other people like me up in, uh, in uh, Maine, uh, Paul Parent. You've got the people in California, um, uh, the John Bagnasco and Sharon Asakawa, and the people in the Midwest, this guy in, in uh, Virginia, the Viets. We've got all sorts of people, everybody everywhere. If you have a question about Lawn and Garden this morning, 404-872-0750. We'll be back right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 635 and coincidentally 35 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. Welcome, friends. I'm glad you're here. Our phone number, 404-872-0750. Coming up in this half hour, Ben in Barnesville wants to know about how to use pre-emergent to kill crabgrass in a pasture, not in a lawn. Melody in Conyers is a little curious about how much 10-10-10 would you put down for your hydrangea? Steve in McDonough wants to know about when to put gardenias in the ground. Lance in Lilburn has camellias that he wants to plant on a stump. And Robert over in Athens wants to know, looking for a barrier, a fast-growing screening hedge, what can he use to keep from looking at his neighbors in the bathroom windows or something like that. Let's start with Lance. Lance and Dilbert. Lance, you're joining us on Lawn and Garden. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, what can I do for you, Lance? I'm not actually sure whether it's a camellia or gardenia. My wife's still asleep, but either one. <laughs> and what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> well, it's probably the same answer for either plant. I had a neighbor, and I had a volunteer in my front flower bed, yeah. and I was going to plant it at her yard, and I went over there to check a spot that was in the sun, and it starts digging down real nice, and all of a sudden I'm hitting a stump, which huh. apparently was a pine tree that had been cut off and been ground down, and I'm just wondering, it probably isn't advisable to plant it in that location, is it? Mm, not necessarily, but I'm not going to cast a lot of rain on your parade here. Let's, let me think. Um, how big do you think that stump stumpish area is that you dug into? Uh, it's probably at least 
two, two and a half feet in diameter. It was a big pine tree. And it's underneath the ground, right? Yes, about so it's maybe six, eight inches at the worst. Probably, is it pretty deteriorated? A lot of just crumbly wood underneath the ground? I think she just had the tree cut down this last year, so it's uh, probably still pretty uh, tough. Uh, I mean, my okay. shovel... When I hit it at first, I thought I hit a rock, yeah. and then I said, no, wait a minute. Another uh, feeling. On the cartoons. Uh, you're right. You're right. You planting a camellia or gardenia, whichever you have, in that spot is not going to be real great, at least for the next two or three years, because bacteria and fungi in the soil are breaking down the stump under the ground there. Mm-hmm. And as they break it down, they rob nitrogen from any plant around that's trying to grow in the same spot. So your gardenia or camellia would look sort of yellow for the mm. next three years. So, okay, we can't do that. I'll just have to find a better spot in our yard to put it, Ken. Not necessarily, because you're talking to the garden guy who knows a little trick that might help you a little bit. Okay. And that would be when you plant. If you say, this is just the perfect place for this shrub, I want to plant it there, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Get some slow-release fertilizer. Milorganite is one brand name. Hollytone is another. E.B. Stone Pike Cells is another. And mix that pretty thoroughly into the soil as you plant it on top of that stump. And what will happen is that the bacteria and the fungi that are trying to decompose the stump will use that extra nitrogen that you put in there, the melorganite, holytone, whatever, to feed themselves. And there'll be enough left over to feed the camellia and the gardenia. And if you happen to notice in the next six or so, or 12 months for that matter, that the shrub is looking a little bit yellow, Go out and supplement the fertilizer with miracle Grow. Just mix up a you know, bucket of miracle Grow and pour it onto the root zone of that plant, and that will give it nitrogen. Again, feed the bacteria in the soil a little bit more. Everybody's happy, and Lance has got a gardenia or a camellia. Ask your wife to beautify the landscape. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much. You can go plant it right now and surprise her when she wakes up, Lance. <laughs> Well, it's the, it's the neighbor that I'm doing it for. But oh, I, oh, oh, camellias in my front. It's actually blooming right now. Yeah. So, camellia. It is a camellia. Okay. Okay. You got it. Surprise somebody, Lance. I think a surprise for anybody in your neighborhood would be really appreciated. But you think it would actually be all right if I just have maybe six or eight inches of soil under it? I guess the roots spiral out instead they of going go down deep. They don't go huh? deep. No. Ro- roots on shrubbery. If it's a mature camellia, it would go down 12 to 14 inches. And if that stump is not three feet across, if it's smaller than that, the roots would go across the top and then down the sides as, the, as time goes on. Okay. Okay. All right, well, I, I've got two volunteers. I can try one of them and then uh, see how it, how it goes. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Lance. Okay, goodbye. You bet. Steve's up at McDonough, or down, I should say, at McDonough. Steve joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Steve, good morning. Good morning, Walter. What's up? Last fall, a friend of mine gave me some clippings off his gardenia bush, and I rooted them in water. Good. And it intended to put them out last fall. I put them in red solo cups with mm. pot and soil. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that done, so I brought them inside, put them in the windowsill in the kitchen. And boy, have they been happy. Awesome. They're loving it right there. But when should I put them out? And I'm going to use them as a screen in front of my dog kennel. When can I put them out, and how close do I need to put them together so that they will mm-hmm. grow together, so to speak? You're at a great time right now to start acclimating them to cold weather or colder weather outside, Steve. So knowing that Kirk is saying next week is going to be really warm, nighttime temperatures are not going to be really low, 
I would say once we're up into the higher 30s than tonight, in other words, when we get to 38, 39, maybe even 40 at night for the next week or so, that means you can leave it out all day long. I wouldn't put it in full sun because they're tender for being inside, but the cold at 40 degrees is not going to hurt them overnight. So put them up next to a brick wall or something like that, that they can get cold at night, but it won't freeze them. And over the next seven, eight, nine days, they will in the tissue become acclimated to being outdoors. And in that time, in let's say 10 to two weeks, 10 days to two weeks from now, you can plant them wherever you want to. And against the, where you want to do the screen, uh, different gardenias have different sizes. So do you know how big the one was that they came from? Well, he told me if he didn't clip it, it'd grow five or six foot tall. Uh, then that's what you take for your example. If it's five or six feet tall, I'd plant them probably four feet, five maybe feet apart. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. I think you can do it. You can do okay. it, Steve. Just All get right. them, get them acclimated to the cold weather outside. Now, great time to do it. Melody is in Conyers, Georgia, Rockdale County, and joins us in Lawn and Garden. Melody, good morning. Hey, good morning. And I'm actually from Fort Worth, Texas. You talked to the other guy that was from Dallas, Texas. That's where I'm from. Have you did when how long ago were you there, Melody? Um, it's been too long. I've been here twenty years, okay. but I'm moving back soon. Well you tell Neil Sperry I said hello. I will do that. And this is my question. I talked to two extension center people. Yeah. Uh, and one said I can give my hydrangeas one cup of 10, 10, 10. Right. The other one said I could give it two cups. Now, I want to know what's your opinion. <laughs> How big are the hydrangeas first is what um, I want to know. Okay, I've had them for like five or six years. They're probably like three feet tall, you know, knee high. Yeah. I'm going to lean towards the one cup. And okay. even then, I think that's a gracious, gracious plenty. And if it were really, really my hydrangea, Melody, I think you ought to split the application into a half a cup. Not now. It's a little early to be fertilizing now before the buds are even open. But when the leaves on there are uh, as big as two fingers, let's say, that'll be, that'll be three weeks from now probably before that happens. But when the leaves are about as big as two fingers, put a half a cup of fertilizer, 10, 10, 10, spread it out nice and lightly on the ground around it. Wait till, uh-huh. oh, do, 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 first of June, somewhere in there, early summer, and another half cup then. Okay, cool. And also, the um, the Extension Center in Rockdale County, they said you're going to be speaking there in March, so I'll be looking forward to you. I will indeed. I'll be I mean, April. They said in April. That's a big horse park, and I've got it on my website. If you go to Where's Walter on my website, it'll tell you all the details. Well, I'll be looking forward to hearing you speak. Have a great day. Come introduce yourself to me. I'd love to meet you, Melody. Okay, cool. Bye-bye. We'll see you then. It's 644. Whose turn is it? Ben, Barnesville. I should say over in Barnesville. Ben, hey, good morning. Good morning. Ben, let me ask you something. How long have you lived in Barnesville? I have been in Lamar County since 2006. Okay, so you haven't been there since the B. Lloyd candy shop was there. Uh, no, sir. Not familiar. <laughs> there are people right now listening who, who are from Pike County, Lamar County, in that general area, and know where the B. Lloyd was exactly down there. little candy shop uh, by the highway back when there was one of the main thoroughfares through middle Georgia. And I just yes. wondered if you knew where the B. Lloyd place was, because I, I did. That's right. I'm a, I'm a transit. I we're, moved from Stockbridge. Oh, man. Oh, man. Stockbridge, <laughs> Georgia. <laughs> I'm a northerner. I moved, I moved down from Stockbridge. Exactly. Henry County. How can I help you this morning, Ben? Uh, last year, I've got a farm down in Milner, uh, and we, we drilled in uh, 
spent a lot of time with a lot of equipment and got our pastures renovated. It was overgrown. We drilled in 12 acres of new common Bermuda. Got it. And, uh, you know, we, we really try to take our time. I have a hard time growing fingernails, much less anything else. <laughs> and uh, we try to really take our time and do it right. Okay. And uh, we've had some success. We've had our soil test. We've been putting out uh, potash two tons an acre. Yeah. Um, I had my cows on some at the end of last year. Um, so my question is, is I've got my, my soil test now. They're calling for needing about 150 pounds an acre of nitrogen, yep. about 100 pounds of phosphate per acre, and about 60 pounds of potash per acre. Yep. Um, and uh, I guess it's a two-part question is, one, when should I fertilize that? And two, what can I do? now or when should i do something to control uh some of the weeds uh and whatnot to really give my bermuda the best chance that i can all right first a comment great job getting your soil tested because if you know what your soil has in it now you're so much farther ahead in helping the bermuda grass to be happy by getting a university soil test done and anybody can do this for other listeners who have lawns or landscapes or you know, tomato garden or whatever. If you call 1-800-ASK-UGA-1, you get the details about how to do a soil test. GeorgiaSoilTest.com is another webpage that I have for you. So getting the soil test done first was great. Number two, the time to fertilize, in my view, on Bermuda lawns is going to be sometime when they're just greening up, when it's about... I don't know, 25 to 50 percent green. It's not green now, but it will be within three, I'm saying three weeks or so. So keep your eyes out. When you see this sort of hint of green over everything, Ben, that's when you get the tractor out there and put the fertilizer out. Um, And the thing about how to control weeds and crabgrass, by fertilizing the Bermuda, you're doing more to prevent weeds than you are to do anything, well, not to do anything else, but that is a great way to prevent crabgrass and other seeded grasses, gra- uh, goosegrass, Dallas grass, or the weedy things, Johnson grass even. Um, and so, honestly, by fertilizing and grazing it occasionally with cows during the summer, because they eat the seed heads off the crabgrass and the other grasses, and if they eat the seed heads, some go through the cow, certainly, but others get digested, and so you're doing a little bit of control just by um, putting cows on it. All right. All right. And if you have broadleaf weeds, there are a number of broadleaf weed killers you can put on a pasture, and that's something I'd rather you call the local extension office and ask them which one they recommend, crossbow or one of the other, grazon, some of the others. Remembering, of course, you know this, and I hope you know this anyway, that if you use the manure or the hay off of that pasture, you cannot use it in a vegetable garden. It will cause your tomatoes to strap up and be ugly. So if you ever cut hay, do not sell it as a mulch. Do not sell it as a soil amendment, if that ever happens. That is if you use the pre-emergent. Yeah, or if you use any of those weed killers on it. That's that's right. Okay. Very good. All right. Thank you, sir. I certainly appreciate it. Tell them hay in Barnesville. We'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. It's 6.48 on a Saturday morning. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden advice you need. Yeah, 
I believe in the power of sunshine, and we're going to have plenty of it today. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It is no longer cold, wet, dreary, or snow and sleet. Are you kidding me? Snow and sleet? Yeah, I got out of the building that I was in where I didn't know what the weather was outside. It was on my car, and sleeting and raining, and I thought, what is going on? Kirk Mellis, give me a break. Today, highs in the low 60s, a couple of clouds this afternoon, and tonight, lows, or I should say, yeah, lows in the upper 30s. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And don't forget, tomorrow is Sunday. Your Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution is going to have a big report on how the political frontrunners managed to capture so many of Georgia voters when there are so many choices out there. Let's go to Eileen real quickly first. Eileen in Alpharetta, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Walter, how are you doing? Hey, Eileen, I'm fine. What's going on? Well, I was a bad gardener. Confession is good for the soul. I, I, I did not get all of my bulbs in this last fall. Yeah. And I have some daffodils that are starting to sprout, yeah. and they're in my garage. Yeah. And I didn't know if it was going to be worth it or not to try to put them in some pots and see if I can get them to. to I, I'm not expecting them to bloom, but I didn't. I didn't want to just throw them out. You know what I'm saying? Totally worth it to plant them in the ground, unless okay. there's some reason you want to put them in a pot. But if you are planning on keeping them for several years, put them in the ground where you want them to be. They may have slightly odd-looking blooms. I've told people in the past months, it's January maybe, that they could go ahead and plant them and they would just bloom later. Mm-hmm. Yours are so far along now, it's already March, that I, I think that the blooms are going to look a little weird. Yeah. But in penance for your mistake, I have an assignment for you, Eileen. <laughs> you have to take pictures of these flowers when and if they come up and send them to me on my website, contact Walter on my website, and just let me know what happens if you plant something as late as you're doing in March. I'm I, real I curious. will. <laughs> That's that's all right. Then if you do it, then I won't charge you for this information. I'm just giving you. So we're just fine. Right. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You bet, Eileen. Thanks right. for calling. Take care. Bye bye. I know there are other people out there listening to this show right now, a little bit reassured, but also saying, "Hmm, do my daffodils have any sprouts on them at all?" See, that tells me that Eileen's bulbs are still healthy. They still have enough life and tissue left in them to perhaps bloom. Maybe. We'll see when Eileen sends me the pictures. But if you have daffodil bulbs in your garage, in your basement, you have it planted, and you feel them and they sort of feel papery, you know, they don't have any firmness to them like an onion, for instance, then if they're papery, throw them away. Put them on the compost pile. They are not going to do anything for you. On the other hand, if you take your bulbs and mash them just a little bit and they feel firm inside, even with not hardly anything showing, no greenery showing at the top, a firm bulb is a healthy bulb. And go ahead and plant it now. And send me pictures in May and let me know what goes on with them. Because I'm curious because you know, sometimes I'm predicting things that I might not have ever done myself. I don't think I've waited till March to plant daffodil bulbs. I know I waited till January one time. They bloomed fine. They were great. I gave them to my mother for Christmas, and I planted them in January. They bloomed fine. But March, a little bit late. Give me a picture. Let me know. We'll see what happens. All right. It's 658 at News Talk WSB. This is Lonnie Gardner. Number is 404 750 Larry, Ray, Robert, y'all stay tuned. We'll be back right after news.